have a terrific guest with me today, and I know you're going to recognize him um, from cable news, from his Twitter, uh, and he's got his own radio show in Seattle. Jason Rance, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Jason, I'll tell you, you uh, boy, you've been doing the Lord's work, man, for the last uh, last couple of years, especially in the last 10 months. We've, we've seen you on the ground, and, and we'll talk about this later, but you're Twitter account is just always on fire with amazing videos and insights and, and things like that. Jason, how in the world did you get involved in this uh, world of, of uh, cancel the police, of anti-policing, if you will? I, I mean, in part, I've always been a supporter of law enforcement. And I think for, for me, as someone who hosts a three-hour talk show Monday through Friday. I'm always looking for actual content. And it, it became very clear that in this market, Seattle, Tacoma, and really all of Western Washington and arguably Washington State, it just wasn't being told. This perspective coming from law enforcement was not out there. And so immediately I decided, okay, this is something that should be discussed, that does need to be talked about. And so as I started to dive into some of these stories, I became even more invested. It became even more clear how important it is to tell these stories and give this side of what has become an incredibly contentious issue, not just locally, but across the country. And it's a, it's a fantastic mission because we need it because We've seen, in fact, very recently where there's so much, there's almost a media obsession and a political obsession with the January 6th riot at the Capitol. And yet we hear very little about the other demonstrations and riots happening. We didn't hear about the violent riots in uh, Portland and Seattle on the night of Joe Biden's inauguration. Mm -hmm. um, and we really only hear about those riots when it's, the police did something perceived to be bad, and uh, and and then we have these demonstrations, if you will, that usually turn into violent, violent riots, um, that are are doing nothing but bashing law enforcement. You're trying yeah. to tell not one side of the story. You're actually trying to tell both sides of the story, right? Yeah, I, I'm not doing this at the detriment of talking about, for example, the, the Capitol riots. I, I think there's a lot of gaslighting going on. You could have dual conversations. The fact of the matter is the riots and destruction and violence that overtook American cities, including Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and Kenosha and New York and Los Angeles and Richmond have been going on for eight or nine months. We were talking about it. Fox News was talking about it. But for the most part, that was it. That was the only media outlets that were consistent on this. Talking about the Capitol riot and then ignoring everything else to me seems rather silly, but it also is instructive. It tells you the kinds of stories that some media outlets are more interested in telling. It's not to say that the Capitol riot wasn't incredibly important of a story to tell. It is, it remains. I've said this in the past, it is a stain on our history. What happened on January 6th is disturbing. I hope the people who violated the law are punished to the fullest extent of the law. I also hope that the people who violated the law for the last eight or nine months within Antifa groups and agitator groups and the BLM movement, the radicals, I also hope that they are punished for violating the law. However, we know that they're not going to be punished because we've seen across the country 
different city attorney offices saying, yeah, we're going to give you a pass because we generally agree with what you guys were doing, or at least the underlying uh, political ideology behind the movement. And I think that that is a shame. And I think that that gets to why there is such a fracture in this country, but besides between the perceived different sides of this particular issue. We should all be able to come together and say very clearly in a united voice, political violence is wrong. Political violence coming from the left, political violence coming from the right is wrong. And as of right now, I've only seen it come, that message come from Republicans. They said uniformly that what happened on January 6th was disgusting, disturbing, and they need to be punished. They also said that for the last eight months. Democrats only talked about the Capitol right. In fact, to this day, they're still pretending that Antifa is a myth, that the riots that we've seen here in Seattle and across the country didn't really happen, or if it did happen, they downplay it, they ignore how serious it is. And I think that that's a shame. Jason, you've seen uh, more violent rioting, I think, than most police officers in this country. <laughs> um, what is your impression of, of the, the, the mental health and just the emotional state of the law enforcement officers that you end up interacting with at these demonstrations? Everyone is a little bit different and it depends on, you know, whether I'm going to Seattle or Tacoma, whether I'm talking to an officer out of Bellevue or Bothell. I think for the most part, there is fatigue, emotional fatigue of having to deal with this level of violence without any seeming support coming from the community. And we know that people are watching now are big supporters of law enforcement and they're members of law enforcement. And we know that reasonable people side with police officers, but the loudest voices in some of these cities are the activists who are on Twitter, who are amplifying each other. And then of course, you've got politicians like the Seattle City Council filled with politicians who will not condemn any of the violence, who will not stand up for any of the officers who are under siege. And that does weigh on these officers. There's a reason why in Seattle last year, they saw a historic number of officers leaving the department, 197. That is an insane, a staggering number of cops to leave such a small force, a force that was already understaffed. But remember last year, we had an incident in which Antifa and other agitators used quick dry cement to try to seal shut the door to the East Precinct on Capitol Hill while simultaneously trying to burn the building down. Not a single council member said anything. And I reached out to every council member's office through the communications director. And I had a simple request. Will any council member give me a statement condemning the actions? Only one responded telling me, no, Council Member Mosqueda, Teresa Mosqueda will not. Everyone else did not even respond. It's, it's a consistent lack of response that we're seeing in this city from this council and the police officers notice. And not only do they notice, the agitators notice, which is why they feel enabled to do this kind of nonsense. Well, and it affects, um, I know it affects your business community. It affects yeah. your tourism. Um, I know lots of people who, um, I, I personally love, we love coming to Seattle. We have good friends there. Um, we haven't, we haven't traveled it. We're traveling, but we haven't traveled to Seattle in a year because of, you know, the, all the places that we love to go and walk around, you know, we always felt safe. That's not happening anymore. 
Well, there's no, where are you going to walk? You can't go to a park because it's been completely overrun by homelessness because police have been taken completely out of it. You've got a surging number of homicides. We're in the middle now of a surging number of rapes. January alone, there were 29 cases. I mean, it is not safe. And I'm so sick and tired of folks downplaying the data, pretending it's either pandemic related or it has something to do, oh, well, this is just a big city. No, there are plenty of big cities that are not dealing with this level of deterioration. Yeah, the, uh, coronavirus does not make people murder and rape. I hope everyone knows that. Not, and, you know, but that's what we're we're seeing this nationwide surge of of homicides, and uh, and every like you said, everybody wants to blame the pandemic. But it's it's happening in particular places, right? I mean, it's happening in these cities in which there has been an active culture of attacking policing and police. It is certainly true that you're gonna see an uptick of certain kinds of crimes due to a pandemic, right? When you don't have a business district that is thriving with people who are actually in the business, yes, they are rich targets for potential theft. When we have people who are living in domestic violence situations with domestic abusers, you're gonna see some of those crimes tick up. And we've certainly seen that in King County and across the country. But even when you account for that, the crime is going up in these cities that have actively decided to go after policing. Now, in uh, Minneapolis, uh, just uh, recently, their city council, who is very similar to the Seattle city council in wanting to take money away from the police and not supporting the police, they uh, recently and kind of shockingly just voted to uh, fund, uh, spend $6.5 million, I believe it is, to fund police recruiting and fund a recruit class, um, even though they said they wanna have less police. And part of it is just what you talked about in Seattle, because they have an unprecedented number of police officers who are retiring, resigning, or just haven't come back to work yet because they're still uh, injured or traumatized from the George Floyd riots. Do you think that that's possible that the Seattle City Council will, will see their way to trying to uh, recruit more Seattle police officers, get them trained and get them on the streets? Not this one, not this council. Uh, obviously, there's going to be money that has to be spent to recruit police officers because we have the lowest number of deployable staff since I believe it's 1993. So the SPD, independent of the council, is going to have to spend the money to get people to become a police officer. The problem is, do you have a big enough group of people to select from? Who would want to become a police officer right now in the city of Seattle? It's not going to be easy to make those that choice. And even when a recruit decides to step up or an individual becomes a recruit, there's still a long learning curve before that person is ready to go out and become, be an actual officer. Almost to, to, a year. Yeah, to, to be able to patrol. And so we're going, we're going to start from behind already. You add the nine or 10 months to the end of that. And that is assuming the people who actually, you know, sign up, make it all the way through and not all do. That's a long time to wait. And that's a long time to deal with the worsening crime situation here. Now, the good news is we do have an election coming up. It's not the full council election, but you've got two at-large positions that are up for re-election and you have a new mayoral uh, race coming up. 
Now, we haven't seen everyone who's going to run for those three positions. We know, obviously, that uh, Lorena Gonzalez is not going to be on the council. That's a good news. The bad news is she could be, and right now she probably will be mayor. That's bad news. That's really bad news for this city. Wow. And, and, and that's happening again all around the country yep. where, where the, the anti-police politicians um, in these leftist cities are, they're having some success, which seems so illogical when people see the crime on the rise and, and things like that. Although again, not everyone sees that because, you know, again, it depends on uh, what the, media outlet that you might yeah. watch, what newspaper you might read, right? Yeah, and I do think that people are starting to pick up on it. I mean, when you look at what's going on in LA County, for example, with their new DA Gascon, you've got people who are pushing back in a significant way, including people who probably voted for him, in fact, likely voted for him, given the numbers in which he won in that race saying, whoa, 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 we wanted some change. We didn't want this kind of radical policies installed in which you're giving a pass to so many people when you look at what's going on in New York City, for example, rising crimes, you've got people who are actively fleeing the city and fleeing the state. I mean, we're starting to see these trends in more significant ways. And I think that the pandemic has shined a giant spotlight on it because when the pandemic hit, for the most part in these cities, the only people who are outside were the homeless, right? Were people who are dealing with drug addiction. And when it's not masked, by a thriving core of downtown Seattle or Portland or New Yorkers who are walking around, it really does make the problem stand out even more. And people say, well, what exactly are you doing to tackle the homeless issue in San Francisco? Well, what's being done? Because what's happening right now is, is disturbing. And then you realize there's no plan. And then naturally people start to get upset and then they will get ready to push back. Well, and again, who ends up dealing with the homeless? Police do, the fire department, the business owners, and the residents. Yeah, and and ultimately the residents. And it, it's it is it's very disturbing. It's very frustrating. Um, Jason, as a journalist, you're I know that that you're not supposed to be the story, right? You're supposed to talk about the story, and 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 then when you do opinion stuff, you're to give your opinion, but you're not supposed to be the story. But at some of the riots that you have been at, you have actually become the target and kind of become the story, right? You, 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 your life has literally been in danger, hasn't it? Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I, I wrote a piece uh, a couple of weeks ago for foxnews.com in which I talked about really the way that Antifa groups and other agitators use social media to target members of the media when we go out and cover their violent mobs, their riots. And what ends up happening is because most outlets won't actually cover what's going on. And if they do, they usually stay at the peripheries and they don't actually march within the mob the way that I do and several others do, my colleagues around the country do. We find ourselves in positions where folks online will try to figure out if we're there and if we are, they end up taking screenshots of our faces. They tell folks on the ground that we're there, that we're taking photos and videos of them committing their uh, vandalism or any other act that they're committing. And the intent is to harass and intimidate or 
physically assault us so that we either stop taking evidence, video evidence of their crimes or just leave. And I've seen people get assaulted for videoing or photographing what's been going on. I was in Tacoma a few weeks ago at what became a riot. And I saw a colleague of mine who was getting harassed and had to leave because online people were calling him out. And I was there when I got called out. And someone had pinged me on Twitter saying, I don't know if you realize this, but so-and-so just sent out your name and your photo and said you were there. And it was very weird because as I got that note, we like two minutes later, the person I, who I was with, we heard someone say my name. And we're like, oh no, we've been, we're, we're, they're aware we're here. And we were not in a place where we could just easily escape without getting some notice. So we had to walk until we were able to uh, get to a place where cops were actually there. Because as you know, police departments across the country are basically told to allow these groups to do what they do before they end up getting involved, which I don't think is a very good strategy. I wish police departments would stop that, uh, especially because it's, it's like that, the last 15 to 10 minutes of like really tense marching where I'm wondering if they're gonna find out who I am and beat the hell out of me. I would prefer not to do that, uh, but so far it's been good. I haven't been physically assaulted. There was a time over uh, when Chaz was a thing where they had spotted me and definitely they were, they weren't physically assaulting me, but they were bumping into me on purpose to try to get me to stop filming. And right. you don't feel safe. You don't feel like you're gonna be stabbed to death, but you definitely don't feel safe. As well, you probably shouldn't. Uh, Jason, is Antifa really just an idea? It's an idea and it's a group. People who are a member of Antifa self-identify as Antifa. I mean, they make it really, really easy to find out who they are. For starters, they wear a uniform in black block. They do that because they wanna be able to stop police from being able to identify them and from people like me from filming them commit these acts of vandalism, right? They wanna make it harder for us to figure out their identity. They fly flags that say anti-fascist on it. They literally chant the term Antifa. They hold very radical ideological views and they don't hide it. They actively organize online. This is not merely an idea. It is true that Antifa and being an anti-fascist is based on a series of ideas. That is true, but they organize and they come together as a group. So I don't know what more you need for us to call Antifa as a group. It's certainly true that there is a not, there's not a national organization called Antifa in which there is one selected leader, but that didn't stop the media or politicians from talking about the Occupy movement which was basically the same thing. In fact, there in, in the Venn diagram of things, you've got a significant crossover between the two. The same people who, the same anarchists who would show up for the Occupy movement are the same types of people who show up for the Antifa stuff. Um, could you explain to people when Black Lives Matter became a part of Antifa or vice versa? Well, it's vice versa. So I, I think that Black Lives Matter as a political movement was always radical. I don't think that the people who showed up post George Floyd who marched, I don't think that they realized that they were getting involved in the Marxist aspect of the BLM movement. I think they were well-intentioned like virtually everyone in this country, the video that they saw, 
they found to be, we found to be disturbing. And so people were rightly upset with that. But then of course, Antifa does what they do, which is take advantage of movements. I, again, there's in the Venn diagram, there's that crossover of people who show up to BLM marches and what ended up becoming riots also are members of the Antifa movement. And they use that in a way for cover for their own violence. When you look at the, the reasons why Antifa does what they do, they'll say that this is all about black lives mattering. They don't care about black lives. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to destroy systems of government. They are certainly trying to go after police reform in that they'd like to abolish the police. These are not merely, we want to defund by 50%. They want to abolish police, which they view as a system of white supremacy that needs to be rebuilt in an image that they would prefer. But they, they have the same views on capitalism. They have the same views on our, our representative democracy. That is what they do. So they're taking advantage. Jason, you have uh, really clarified a lot of things today. I, I wish I had hours to talk to you, but where can people find you on social media? Where can they hear you on the radio? Where can they read their, your articles? Sure, you can follow me on Twitter under Jason Rance, R-A-N-T-Z. I am on AM 770 KTTH in Seattle, Monday through Friday, three to six. I podcast the show every single day. So wherever you get your podcast, just search Jason Rance Show. And if you want to catch up on any of the hits I do for Fox News or anywhere else, just go to youtube.com slash Jason Rance. I do a good job of uh, posting all of our videos. And if you follow me on social media, I'll get links to all the stories I write because I write for uh, Fox and The Federalist, MyNorthwest.com, elsewhere. Awesome. Jason, thank you so very much. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. 1. Call 911 and give the officer's exact location. 2. Ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. 3. If the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.